Hello, and thank you for joining us. I am your host, soulful business and leadership coach, Jeffrey Biesecker. This is episode 0047. Your relationship with yourself sets the tone for every other relationship you have. We connect with each other through a give and take of signals that link us from the inside out. Joining us today is senior songwriter Lauren Debata, also known by her stage name Shimshia. We share a discussion exploring how being vulnerable and open to our authentic emotions allows us to develop a more effective relationship with ourselves and others. We can empower ourselves to connect more authentically with our ideas about memory, emotion, trauma, and body-mind integration by integrating our ability to be aware, present, and aligned within, redirecting the flow of energy and information in our brains opening us to our relationships and embodying us with a more essential state of our own humanity. Listen in as we reveal how we are all essentially one energy, connecting us at our core on this episode of The Light Inside. Do you struggle with maintaining your energy and mental focus throughout the day? I know I do. The folks at NeuroGum have always believed that the best version of ourselves starts with the mind. That's why they've dedicated the past five years to creating great tasting products that conveniently and effectively get us in the right state of mind at the right time. Four simple, healthy, and thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing Ensure you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Every phase of their production is done intently to create the most effective product. NeuroGum products help shift your mindset with ease and flow. Their functional gum and mints are shortcuts to the ideal state of mind, delivering just the right amount of what you need to energize, calm, and focus your mind in the moment. So if you struggle to find the mental focus and energy throughout your day, Try NeuroGum and Mints by visiting GetNeuro.com today. That's G-E-T-N-E-U-R-O.com. Refresh your state of mind with Neuro. They get the mental game, helping you stay in the zone. Lauren, how are you? Hey, Jeffrey. I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Good. Me too. This will be really fun. So you are in LA, correct? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm excited to jump into this conversation with you today and see where we go. Awesome. It's going to be interesting. I think you are the first true full-on musician that we've had on. And so I've interacted in that world quite a bit. I worked for a good while as a PR manager and a tour manager. So I've had my experiences with it. And I have a fond appreciation for the perspective that any artist can bring into a conversation. So I'm looking forward to that today. 
How do you want to dive into this today? Do you want to start by sharing a little bit of your backstory or do you want to jump in more from the songwriting angle? I'm cool with jumping in more from the songwriting angle. I'm happy to share my backstory if you think that's helpful. or. I'd like to jump in that angle of songwriting because you did present such a powerful notion of how we so often are out of touch with our feelings, out of touch with that area of being connected and aware of where our thoughts and feelings are. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to jump in from that angle. Your songwriting is so open and emotional and raw. You can see that genuine authenticity there of exploring that inner world within ourselves. So I'd like to jump in from that angle today. And what can you share with us from your perspective, how you relate that to your songwriting process? Yeah, so when I'm writing a song, I really try to put to words the parts of my feelings that are the most hidden. When I actually put those to words, it feels super free. It's like, oh, that's it. And that's the part that I want to put out there because I know that all those feelings are universal. Even if the situation is different for other people, they likely have that exact same feeling at some point and can say, oh yeah, that's exactly what I was feeling right then. Like, that's what I want people to feel like, oh, she's in my head. We've got the same thing going on. And so... Starting with the place that feels the most buried and the most freeing is where I go. How do you feel you prepare yourself from that angle to get in touch with that side, that sense of being vulnerable and allowing those feelings to come forward? It's a process. I definitely have to sit with the song for a few days to let that all come out. I have to have a theme in mind. Not only it's situation, because situation usually has 10 different sides to it, 10 different emotions. And I have had multiple critiques of my song going, Lauren, let's stick with just one part of this situation to deal with. This isn't a novel. So I'll take that one piece and I just really honestly feel into it. I relive it. And I go, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? What is it that I want to say? What is it that I want the other person to say to me? And start from there. You know, so often that whole act of getting in touch with our thoughts and our feelings can feel like a novel, can feel so overwhelming because we open so many layers and so many doors. Mm -hmm. You know, we bring in so many areas of our being into that. How as a songwriter do you start to dissect some of that down and figure out I'm feeling this and this is, Mm -hmm. you know, where my perception is. And Mm -hmm. this is the story that, you know, I'm truly aligning with. Yeah, that's actually something that I have been talking about lately, which is like, what part of our story matters when we're going through something? Does the story that we've been telling ourselves for years matter? Does what's happening in this moment matter more? Does the new way of dealing with it matter more? So to dissect that feeling I try to stay very present because otherwise I'll end up telling people my whole life story that a lot of just isn't that interesting to people. Like <laughs> the story about why I'm feeling sad isn't sometimes as interesting as why I'm sad in this moment, what's going on, what I want to do about it, how it's affecting me in this moment. And it's a great practice for me to actually stay really present as to what it feels like. Like my song, Anywhere But Here, is a song that is so emotional for me. And it's about getting out. It's, I have to get out of here, is the whole premise of the whole song. I think it's the most compelling and it it really hits me and it hits me every time I hear it because it feels like I want to get out. It feels like, oh my gosh, I need to leave. This is what this feels like. Time to go. But if I told you the whole story, (laughs) it'd be kind of boring, to be honest. (laughs) Well, that's somewhat 
the beauty of our feelings is they are there to connect each of us with our sense of presence, make meaning and sense of our present awareness. Mm -hmm. So when we are looking at that from a songwriter approach, if we close that door for others, we're in essence not honoring the authentic experience of another. We're telling them, you should feel this. This is what you should expect. And that's moving out of mm-hmm. how we more authentically align with others. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. I love this idea of staying present to our experience so that other people can relate to us. But the second we start trying to communicate it to them in a way that they will feel it the way we want us to, I'm doing air quotes for <laughs> the way we want them to feel it, then it's no longer our authentic experience, right? Yeah, we have to look at that to me from that angle of understanding what it means to be authentic. What is authenticity? We have brought that into the forefront of our vernacular in our culture of lately. Before it might have swirled there, but now we have a greater sense of urgency and awareness around that. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be truly authentic? From your perspective, how do you relate to that? The word authentic creates for me so many different reactions. It creates, honestly, a complete fear. Because authenticity is both presenting myself raw yes, and not, not hiding, not being worried about being judged and therefore creating something else. It's actually showing who I am to people, which is scary. And then also, I mean, to be 100% honest with you, I feel pressure to be authentic. Like, <laughs> oh, got to show up who I am. I can't hide the parts of myself that I don't want people to see. And that sounds scary. But at the same time, once I get all that discussion to the side, I recognize how much authenticity in other people, like you said, is what's connecting. The most of the people I want to be around the most are the most authentic people. Yes. They're the people I want to be with. And in order to be with authentic people, I have to be authentic too. Authentic people aren't going to want to be with me if I'm not authentic. <laughs> so what that looks like is, for me, is, again, it's the being present. It's the who am I in this moment and what's actually showing up for me in this moment and taking ownership of my own feelings, not putting them on anyone else or on situations or things that are happening. These are my own, owning my reactions to things. That's that power of vulnerability. And there again, we're looking at another area. Sometimes we can feel a little overwhelmed by that notion of vulnerability. And I think specifically as an artist, as a musician, you're often right there in the public eye. Everything is open to that criticism, those judgments, those evaluations. Oh, what did she mean by this? Who is she? You know, what does she stand for? That ability to be vulnerable when we leverage that and align with that mm-hmm. becomes our greatest empowerment when we free and surrender to that. From your perspective as an artist, what are some of the things that you do to prepare yourself to allow that space of openness? The place where I'm the most open is when I'm performing. So when I'm on stage, I am my most authentic self. I am my most present. Honestly, I'm everything that I always want to be, which yeah. is so much fun. And the way I prepare for that This is a great question because now I'm like, wait, how else can I bring this into my life? The way I prepare for that is one, getting really excited and being really excited about where I am. And I think we can create that wherever we are, whatever we're going to do. So I'm going to go on stage and I'm jumping around backstage, getting myself psyched up to go on stage. That's number one. But then also the thing that I'm doing is connecting and listening to my audience is out there to give myself to them and listen to what comes back and react to what comes back from them. And that feels 
there could be nothing more authentic than living in the moment, connecting to other human beings like that. So now I'm going to jump around this afternoon. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> I've got a great quote to share with that. Mm-hmm. Daniel Siegel wrote a book called Mindsight. In that book, there's this awesome quote. We connect with each other through a give and take of signals that links us from the inside out. This is the joy-filled way in which we come to share our minds with others. To me, it was, was amazing. Relays what that whole experience, not only of being an artist, is about, but being authentic and vulnerable with others, being connected and open with others. Simply sharing our minds and our hearts. Yeah. Exactly. That quote reminds me too about, I once had a a teacher explain this idea of being able to feel the energy of a crowd as if a crowd is one person Yeah. in some ways. Like, yes, you're connecting to people individually Mm. and I'm trying to put everyone in one thing, but it's, there's an energy of the crowd that becomes like one person that you can feel or one entity, I guess I should say. And I think that applies to anything. If you're giving a speech, uh, any sort of speech, uh, presentation at work, like that where there's, the room has an energy and reading that energy and being able to respond to that energy is versus what's on my piece of paper. I've had that experience before trying to give, give a talk to people and realizing I'm, I'm not reading what's on the paper. I'm talking to people in the room. And that's way more authentic than coming in with my prepared remarks. Or even like our conversation right now, I could come in with my prepared remarks and say things to you that I don't know, are on some script somewhere. Or we could just have a conversation and I can react and look at the way you're reacting to what I'm talking about. I love that you brought up that sense of energy on stage. Mm. For the average person, I think that's hard to perceive because as an observer, and this is a good illustration of how we operate throughout life so often, as the observer, we're kind of oblivious to that energy. We're caught up in that act of observing, of being in the moment of watching the performance. Mm -hmm. Whereas as the performer... You are fully embodied in that. Now, I've experienced that from the stage and was videoing the performers that were up there. One of my bands I managed. And as they were opening up and they they were an opening act for another major act. And that initial going from zero, you you can kind of hear that build up and then boom, the lights are on. The stage is present. You're fully alive in it. That roar is completely indescribable unless you've seen it. (laughs) Relay that experience from your perspective as a performer in that energy on a regular basis. For me, I get so much energy from it because stepping onto stage, I like wanting you to perform for them, wanting you to give them an experience, (laughs) wanting you to be something, and then being able to just perform, be who I am. I'm having a hard time actually putting it into words because it is so, it's so in the moment, so present. And I think I'm sure you've had that experience too, as a speaker, right? Going up on stage as a speaker and just knowing what you're going to say, okay, I'm going to just give this and people giving me back this energy and reflecting it back. It's almost like a giant mirror. I find because the more energy I give, the more I get back. And that's, that's really cool. Ultimately for me, it's that sense of being present, aware of the experiences of another, being open to see through another's senses. Mm -hmm. We are, like you said, holding that mirror up, Mm -hmm. not only of ourselves, but that mirror of another and saying, I see you, I understand you, I'm available to you. I've also had incredible moments where I've connected to individuals in the crowd, and that's been fascinating where they know you're looking at them and you know you're looking at them and they're having this incredible experience. Like 
that it's kind of like the microcosm of the whole thing where you can connect with one person and feel that energy back too. It's all this exchange really at the end of the day. That connection that we are all one energy at our core We are essentially all one energy Mm. and we just mirror that back. When we open to that, relay that sameness. Yeah. I have another teacher who talks about it as the illusion of separateness. And I I love that. It's, we we pretend we're separate, but we're not. Our energy in any conversation with my family, right? That happens all the time. Someone comes in, they've had a tough day and it's like, oh my God, the whole energy in the house changed. Mm. We're all so connected here. We... We can take ownership of our own energy in a way that keeps, that spills onto other people in the way we want to. That to me is the key of looking at authenticity, having those realistic perceptions of reality, Mm -hmm. that we share those same experiences, that we feel those same things, that even though there are times where we seem like we're a little bit out of balance, We understand those things. Mm -hmm. Now, the big trick there becomes balancing that in a way that you don't let that self overshadow. Yeah. And listening. I think there's both a needing to take ownership of our own energy and, and what we're bringing into a space, but then also listening to the other person's energy so that ours does not overpower the other people's. Like it's one thing when I'm performing on stage and the whole crowd is dead and I'm like, guess what? <laughs> you're getting you're getting the big show. That's one thing. People came here for a, a show, but that doesn't work so well in real life. That's not always, that's not honoring of the other person I find to do that in a situation where the person in front of me has a lower energy for whatever reason, they've got something going on and I can meet them where they're at. <laughs> I mean, I try to, I don't always, don't give me wrong. <laughs> we look at those notions circling back to that authenticity, self-accepting first. We have to be comfortable with who we are. We have to be aware of who we are. Mm -hmm. We have to be in touch with those emotions. And then also accepting those same responses, those same realisms in others. And then showing that thoughtfulness to be aware of those things. Extending that same respect out to another. You mentioned this awareness of ourself. And that's so brilliant. And I... I know for me, that's one of the places where I've often struggled is what is going on? Yeah. And kind of to take it a little bit back to what we were talking about, that's what I love about being able to process all my emotions through my music is in that situation, I know exactly what's going on at this point because I have, I have been living with it for months. But <laughs> in a lot of situations, having that awareness is, that's for me, my biggest struggle. What is going on? <laughs> it reminds me of that. Four non-blonde song. Hey, 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 what's going on? (laughs) What the hell is happening here? You know, sometimes that's a hard task to connect with because we are dealing with so many variables. One of the best things we can do is simply just take that pause and say, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. Let's feel it. And not being judgmental about it with ourselves or with another. That sounds like a complete gift to give to ourselves or to give to another person the space for people to just feel without any judgment about what actually is happening. You know, that can be a a very raw place a lot of times where we move into that vulnerability. We feel we are open and available for attack, available for a whole number of things, a whole number of things to come. Yeah, that's personally a place where I've, I, I mean, I've mentioned this already, but that where I've struggled the most because yeah. I'm always worried about other people's 
expectations and especially historically been worried about Mm. what are people going to think? Am I allowed to feel this? Is this okay that I'm feeling this? Should I be embarrassed about the fact that I'm scared right now? I'm not as tough as this person thinks I am. I'm not, or I'm angry now. And I'm not as, as, (laughs) I love this one. I'm not as enlightened as I thought I was. That judgment. Well, Lauren, haven't you gone to therapy for this before? No, you know, I mean, that's a little bit exaggerated, but also not. Yeah. Yeah. Even now I'm trying to couch it. I don't want people to judge the fact that I still have that voice. Of course I do. So often that awareness is such a key element, understanding ourselves in our relationships with the world around us. And like you said, that so often can be one of the bigger things to overcome. So much comes into play there. So much of our conditioning, so much of the patterns we pick up throughout life, our upbringing, our experiences, we're given these tools to have those awarenesses so we can safely evaluate. You know, is this a threat to me? Is this something I have to guard against? Or is this something that I'm passing a judgment on that's moving me out of alignment? Yeah, and as you're speaking, I'm realizing that I think that's also how I, how I use music, <laughs> both when I'm writing, but actually more so as a listener. Because if I put on a playlist, and if it's like, let's say a sad playlist, and it's got 10 different types of sad songs in there. Eventually, I'm going to get to that sad song that's going to hit on what's going on for me. And then just knowing that I'm not alone, knowing that someone else is feeling that same way, even if I'm not aware of what that is, that frees up the space for me then to acknowledge what's happening. We're looking at that acknowledgement in ourselves and others. Ultimately, those are the things, you know, what are our values? What are our the things that define our character. How do we align with equanimity? I love this word equanimity. It's kind of a somewhat antiquated word now that we don't often use. But stumbling back across this word at its core means equal mind. Mm -hmm. Equal mind toward ourselves and towards others. At its root, we're going to learn a little Latin today. At its root is the root word equus or equal. And animus, or the mind. Looking at equus, its many qualities include contented, even, equal, fair, impartial, just, kind, level, like, and patient. I don't know about you, but those are some great states to be in. They are. Yes. For ourselves and others. And I also for me have been more difficult to come by the more I'm swiping, the more I'm constantly judging right away, like, don't like, or whatever. It's like this idea of an equal mind, that's yeah. something to aspire to, for sure. You know, that's something we've kind of set the table for in our modern society. Is we are gearing down this road where we are so judgment-minded. We think about the very nature of that social media. And without diving too far down that today, That whole notion of, do I like this? Do I not like this? You know, what emotion lexicon am I putting up there? You know, what thought lexicon am I residing in? Yes. (laughs) And it becomes our whole mind frame about a situation, about a person, about a state of being, where we're at. How am I feeling? How often are we truly aligning that with where we're at? Yeah, so often I know I'm looking around and am critical and I, by critical, I just mean making a judgment, like the, the form of that type of criticism. Like, do I like this? Do I not like this? 
just in my life. Like, oh, I, I want to do this. I don't want to do this. Those kind of snap judgments. Whereas equanimity feels like something, like I'd have to be really calm, I think, to get to an, an equanimous. Is that the word? Equanimous. Equanimous state. Yeah. How do I get to equanimity? I'm fascinated. <laughs> and that's one of those things where, is it really that heavy of a thing? You know, is it really that heavy of a word to just think equal mind, equal mind? Mm. How do we develop an equal mind for ourselves and others? How do we align our energy? What is the symbol for equal? Two co-relating lines of the same length. Mm. To me, that's the biggest epiphany right now in this moment that I'm relating to that. That's such a simply illustrated, yeah, I'm having a trouble equalizing my words today. <laughs> that's such a simple state to see how we represent that by two equally drawn lines side by side. Yeah. There, to me, cannot be any more simple understanding of that. Yeah, when you put it like that, it seems like <laughs> it's a possible state to be in. Yeah. I immediately, when I heard about equanimity, I thought, okay, well, I better be like just meditated, calm, no, like no external input. But when you explain the equal sign, that's like what we're talking about, the conversation. When we're in conversation with someone else and it's just two, two people parallel to each other, relating to each other, like that's, that's equanimous. I get that. That's, that's equal. That's two energies interacting in an equal manner, in an aligned manner, moving in harmony. That's awesome to me. To me, that, you know, I have to sit with that because it, that kind of blows me away that it can be that simple. There's no judgment. We're not crossing over onto each other. But we dirty it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm like, wow, okay. I'm going to like draw equal signs all over my, you know, like that's, that's what's, that's what's going to be in my brain for the next while. That's for sure. Tying that back to this Daniel Siegel book, Mindsight. The whole book is dealing with this notion of drawing Mindsight maps, mm -hmm. maps within our brain, how we interact. Daniel breaks it down to me maps, mm -hmm. me, you know, me, I, me maps that give us insight to ourselves, you maps that give us insight to others, and we maps or how we relate together. Mm. goes on to say, without such maps, we're basically operating from an operational code where we were unable to perceive the minds of ourselves and others. Mm -hmm. you know, we're unable to align in an equal manner. We can understand our inner lives with more clarity when we integrate the brain and enhance mm. how we experience the relationship within ourselves and others by alignment, by being open, by being authentic, by sharing those feelings. Yeah, I'm realizing how often our words really dictate my actions or my identity. And this idea that I am sad is like... Um, it can it can be overpowering if coming from that perspective, I am sad. I am, or I am the type of person who is sad a lot, even those kind of things. That I've gotten stuck in those things before. I love this idea of shifting it to I feel. Now, one of the great things I took away from this book, and, and we've touched on this a number of times today, with that songwriting process, with that song listening process, is we hear that song and that emotion, I am sad. 
Yeah. One of the best tools I learned from this book was how we change that perception by simply saying, rather than I am sad, I feel sad. By feeling that feeling, we're simply acknowledging it. We're simply developing the awareness, exposing it. And that gives us the empowerment tool to release that. It's not creating our entire state of being. Mm-hmm. That brings me around you. I, I find such great impact in that statement, I am. And that notion, you know, it's, it's mirrored and echoed over and over. And I think with great reason. Mm-hmm. That saying that I am is such a powerful statement because whatever you put after that, you become. Mm-hmm. By simply shifting that, I am sad, you're deciding or aligning with the notion that you're staying stuck in that sadness. Simple way to break that cycle, I am feeling sad. I am currently sad. This is what I'm experiencing right now, but it leaves the door open. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about music and how this works in my, in my songwriting because one of the things that I want to be able to do is mirror to people their feelings so that if they want, they can make changes. They don't have to, that's for sure. But that it's available because we're seeing it. And so I'm just, I'm honestly still thinking like, okay, how do I say things like I am? (laughs) Actually, in my songs, a lot of times I never say something like I'm sad. I say, I can't control myself no longer. Push me down and I get stronger. I'm like, and that's I'm angry. Actually, that one is more the, the, the feeling is I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated. And it's, here's the actions. I'm wondering how that relates in, like expressing what it is that turning something into an action and what that does to the brain. I'm just, at this point, I'm just curious because I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Instead of saying I'm frustrated, saying I I can't control myself. I'm, I'm, I want to rip something to shreds. Like how doing something like that helps someone work through that. We all, I think, can experience that tendency. And I'm falling back in a, a pattern here of we all. There exists that ability for us mm. to share that sameness in it, that sameness of feeling, that sameness of experience. I feel connects us with that fact that we are in touch with the experience, our emotional state. We're relating to it instead of existing within it, being and becoming it. Rather than just being in that state of sadness, we are feeling the sadness, and then forming what we want to do with that sadness, forming with how do we move past this sadness? How do I relate to that experience? What from this experience guides my meaning forward? What from this experience allows me to create a relationship with what caused me to feel that experience and not giving it the power to own who I am and my identity? Yeah. And a lot of times I find, curious to know your opinion, because I find there's feelings that I need to feel yeah. for a while. There's at some point something shifts, right? And it's different. I find the timeline's different for different people. And for me, it's different in different situations. But there's a moment when, okay, now I can shift. <laughs> can we speed that up? Do we want to speed that up? Like, how can that work? That's that open, raw relationship that I see and feel this feeling. Oh. I see and relate to the situation. Mm. Whether or not we shift from those patterns of belief we have into that present now is sometimes the hardest choice to make. We are so well conditioned to operate from that habitual side of our subconscious mind, Mm. the unconscious mind that patterns all of these habits, these beliefs, these inputs from the world around us, 
that mirroring of a past experience. You go back into the cycle projecting how you felt then rather than how you presently feel sometimes becomes the overriding pattern. I love this idea of being in relationship to ourselves in the moment. And that's what's the most important thing that it isn't about. It isn't about the time. It's so funny that my, my frame of reference is often about time. I've noticed that lately. So it was fascinating that you brought that up, but instead the focus can be on how we're relating to ourselves and in that situation or, or the situation, our relationship and being present. That's, I'm, I'm, my mind's just blown. I'm just, I'll, I'll, I'll sit here and That's the biggest challenge so often, finding that space of awareness to say, I am feeling this, but is it something sure. that I am currently relating to or am I relating to a perception I had before, an experience I had before, mm-hmm. an emotion I had before? Well, and I think there's no other time like a pandemic to experience time in, mm-hmm. in new and different ways. Yes. You know, I don't know that the perception of the time should be the focus as much as am I in a space of awareness alignment that will allow me to move past this pattern, that will allow me to create the right, you know, not the right, but will allow me to create an aware perception of what I am currently feeling. How am I in relationship to this moment? Mm. You know, I think sometimes that process has to be allowed to take longer until you feel that alignment with it. Losing a loved one Mm -hmm. can be a very, very enduring, heavy thing to move past. Mm -hmm. How do we set a time frame for that? Why would we set a time frame for that and say, oh, well, X and Y amount of time and you should be moved past this. But are we present with those feelings? We often reflect back and say, but there is a fond memory that I miss of this person. There is that bond and love and connection that I miss from this person. Sometimes that person we're missing is ourselves. I love the idea of meeting time with equanimity as an equal relationship, mm. like an open mind to what it actually is, what's what's happening, what's happening for me in the moment with time and not not with just with equanimity. That's such a beautiful concept. I will definitely need it this afternoon. I um I think it was on Saturday at 10 a.m. I said to my boyfriend, I said, oh my God, the weekend's over. <laughs> you know, that that's a whole nother level to look at. It's you know a whole nother show in and of itself. And I've mm-hmm. been looking at that angle myself, mm-hmm. how our energy interacts with time, how we create that perception of time. And the reason, you know, well, time felt like it flew by, time sped up. It's not that we there again, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that angle and I think we don't even have a full understanding as human beings of that yet. I look at science and science wrestles with that. You have one level of thought that says, you know, we interact with that time and that time changes. We have another level that says, no, but that time is stagnant and that time is, you know, unchangeable and time is time. But we can see and experience how our perception will change. Growing up as a kid, you know, how many times did we sit in school or in another situation? Oh, this is, time is going so slow. You know, when you're young, there's times where time feels like it's dragging, but then there's also times where you're caught up in that enraptured moment of being, you know, that thrill of being young, that 
sense of being unburdened and time flies by, you know, those enjoyable times in life, whether we're a kid or an adult, any stage in between where things just seem to fly. Yeah, I, I'm a bit of a workaholic. And so this weekend, it was Thanksgiving weekend and I, I took the time. I said, no, I didn't open. I have my computer as little as possible, except for maybe some shopping here or there. And I actually took the time, which I hadn't done in a, in a long time. And it's, I was surprised at how restorative it, it was, even just those four days. And it's so true that relationship to time is so, relationship to how and how I'm relating to time and recognizing what I was doing to myself and that I could, that I could take this time. That's fascinating to me. And I, I did some reading on that and I don't know that I'm going to drag that into this show, but I did some reading on that this weekend where some of that is just our very notion of what we consider our experience of science. Mm. How does that interact? How do our minds and our energies interact with all matter? Mm-hmm. To me, that's a you know, mind blown. To me, that, that fascinates me. Some people that can become overwhelming and trigger a certain response. I find that endlessly fascinating that we talk so often about bigger, more, you know, make your goals bigger, make your impact on the world bigger. But then we back down from that notion of maybe there is something bigger in our sense of being, our sense of how we relate to the world around us. But we've backed down from that so often and said, no, this is the ultimate definition. <laughs> and then that's what I'm doing with my extra time. You know, I'm not saying this for everybody, but I'm saying from my experience, I've got nothing but time when I'm not out and about, you know, we're, we're confined at home. And rather than spend my time on the anxiety, on looking at this, you know, what is going to be the new normal? How do we get past all of this? I'm saying, yeah, I'm aligned within it. I'm equal with this of equal mind and experiencing it as I've got time to explore. I've got time to look at things with new eyes. That's my experience. That's not everyone else's experience. That's also not taking into account that someone else might be feeling it differently. Just like with a psalm, just like with a story, being present with that says, but you are also experiencing what you're experiencing. Yeah, and I think for a lot of us that are creatives or entrepreneurs or anything like that, it's it feels like a lot of pressure at times to keep keep producing, <laughs> keep keep creating. And if you're not creating, keep marketing, keep doing this, keep doing that. You know, I, I experienced that myself. I had really been plowing hard through this new project with the podcast, with you know, new projects with coaching, mm-hmm. but then also meeting this reality for me that said, my reality says I can benefit from the break. I can come out Monday refreshed, balanced, and restored by taking the time. And four days is a short period of time to say, I'm not connecting with these notions of pushing the needle, of hustle, hustle, hustle. I feel we often have to take that time to balance where is my relationship to that time? Where is my relationship to that way of being? What am I feeling? Wasn't feeling particularly overwhelmed, but understanding that sometimes you have to stay ahead of that race by simply saying, you know, it's all right. We build some of these things into our culture like holidays, days off, weekends. Whether we exercise the choice to engage that becomes the experience we create. Do I experience this this time to say, yes, but this time I have to double down. This time I have to open up and explore. This time I need the quiet to connect and 
develop this awareness, to plan, to set forth where my pattern is going to get. You know, that's an empowering place to be. That's another type of vulnerability to be in to say, I'm going to be vulnerable to not feel like I have to keep the ball rolling. I'm going to be vulnerable to say there are many elements to a life. They're not always about goal pursuing. They're not always about pushing that needle forward. They're not always about balancing that notion that we have to sustain ourselves. If you don't unplug the battery and charge it every now and then, where are you feeling it from? How are you feeling it? How do you bring awareness? Now, I've got a lot of theories about how you can bring that energy into your being throughout all of your being, throughout, you know, will. But we're not going to dive down all that today. But unless you set the stage for those conditions to happen, where does the point run out? You know, there's that sudden sense. I don't know, you know, from your perspective, do you ever feel like or are you driven toward the urge that if you stop pursuing that creative spark, you're somehow going to lose it? I don't worry about losing it, but I do. I don't worry about losing it altogether, but it's more like how I experience running, which is if I haven't ran in a long time, those first two weeks of running are kind of painful and I just have to like slog through it. And it's kind of a similar thing with creativity or with practicing anything, my singing or my piano or anything like that. Like if I let that go, I have to, I have to get back on the horse, so to speak. And, and that's, sometimes I don't want to have to do that. So there's that kind of pressure to keep it going so that you, so you don't have that terrible feeling when you come back. There is a great deal of that, you know, and I'm not going to claim to have the complete scientific knowledge behind it today that we condition that muscle, so to speak. We condition that habit. We condition that pattern. There is truth in that in how our brain synapses fire. And it's at its core, a brain reaction that triggers that experience. How we respond to that experience ultimately is what pushes us forward or holds us back. Yeah. And I know for myself, if I take a step back, sometimes then there's other feels like pressure to get back to it. It's this like, okay, when are you going to do it? Oh, what's it going to be like? Is it going to work? And (laughs) you know, when you first asked, are you, am I worried that Mm. that creative spark will go away? It was like an easy, like, no, I'm actually not worried it's going to go away. But now that I'm putting myself in the situation of being in between not using it, I do get that back of my, like, it's like a, a little gremlin back there going, what if it doesn't work this time? What if this time's the time when it's all gone? And I can kind of, I can at least dismiss that at the moment, but it's crazy how real that feels. From a creative perspective, and as somebody that's, you know, done any number of creative endeavors as a career throughout my life, I can relate to that to some degree where that whole notion can be sparked by some of that little gremlin back there. That whole notion that I have to be in the mood to create. I have to find the spark of inspiration. I have to do any number of things that set the stage that put that into being. Mm. Yeah, that was something freeing when I realized that I did not have to, that I could actually create the spark. That Yes, I get inspired and yes, there's times, yeah, sure, I'll write a song really quickly and I can't create that on Will writing a song in an, in an hour. Um, but I can, I can write. I can write every time I want to write, I can write. It'll come eventually. And it's not, it's not this idea that, that I have to wait to get inspired, you know, whether it's on the subway at, at four o'clock in the afternoon. And then that's when I get inspired. That's my time to write. No, I can, I can write in the morning if I want to, and I, I can show up to it. From that creative 
perspective, how much of that note of perfectionism comes in and becomes a block? You know, that notion that I have to write the perfect song every time. I have to write, you know, a hit song, a song that's going to be the song. When you said the word perfectionism, I just like started laughing immediately because (laughs) me, like I think many artists, perfectionism and writing something that's so good is always at the top of my mind. And I am constantly reminding myself, yeah, it's okay. You can throw this away. Like just write it anyway. You can throw this away because it is perfect. The second I get into perfectionism, perfectionistic thinking, yes. or even editing, I have a rule. I can't create and edit at the same time because then I, I can't, I li- it won't work. You know, so often I can relate to this from the perspective of working in the music industry. Having watched countless artists That was a sudden hit. That hit came out of nowhere. Their first hit. I'm sure you can relate to this as an artist. Nine times out of 10, that's bunk. Nine times out of 10, an artist will create a song. They'll have a thought. They'll rework it. Mm -hmm. Re-record it even before it ever sees light of day. Yeah. There's definitely the stories of, um, I forget which song that Mick Jagger wrote that came to him in his dreams and that Dolly Parton wrote. I think it was Jolene and I will always love you the same night. And for them, I'm 100% sure that's true. And that's amazing. Yeah. But I think for a lot of us, I mean, yeah, I, I, I spent 10 hours, I remember, on one line of one chorus, just trying different, trying different words before I finally found the words that worked. 10 hours. I remember thinking, because I, I counted them. I was like, I cannot believe that this is what this is taking. But I'm glad I did. I've been so blessed that I have been connected throughout my life with so many musical artists, musicians, creators. Good friend of mine sat down with me last week and he spent a significant amount of money to have a producer come in and work with him on a new album. Cool. He invited me over last week to hear this album. After this is about, uh, I think his probably fifth or sixth album in. Well versed with what he's wrote, what he's done as a musician throughout his career. I sat down and instantly sensed a difference with this material. It was free. It was open. It was a lot of space. You could feel that vulnerable energy in it, that authenticity energy in it. Hmm. And I said, what is different with this album that you've done in the past? And he said, this producer was the first guy that set me down and said, let the tape roll, run that, record it. Don't go back and correct that. Leave it be. Don't overthink it. And it was just that authentic magic of there was a mistake there. There was, you know, not overthinking it, not trying to redo it and make it perfect. And that in and of itself made it perfect. Totally. Those are the best, um, trying to think of some of the more iconic recordings where little things happen or where there's different effects that make it feel really real. And especially these days with the way music is produced, yes, that can be so compelling. It's not auto-tuned. It's not, it's not fixed. It's not quantized. It's not, um it's that's that's really cool and ironically these days even people that have never experienced any kind of musical training can with somewhat proficiency Mm -hmm. create a musical piece a musical endeavor there's some magic in that and then there's also some of the magic that can be reduced that's that's an interesting angle to me how do we find that balance yeah i think it is very cool i actually was instagramming dming with a 
a woman who's, I think she's about 17 years old living in Florida and who's been starting music. (laughs) She happened to get one of the free DAWs and like was making music on her computer and like didn't quite have the right microphone, was trying to record into her phone and couldn't figure out how it wasn't, why it wasn't working. Mm. We got her straightened out, which was very cool. But I think it's an it's amazing from a, a kid perspective in that we're going to have some incredible producers that we already have, right? They've, they're already existed because music has been democratized for a little while now. It's incredible producers who have been able to work with these programs since they were 12 years old. Like that's that's amazing. I also heard John Mayer say something, which is, you know, he spent his entire childhood playing guitar in his bedroom. And if video games and other things were more available for him, he wouldn't be nearly the guitarist that he is today. So it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a double-edged sword in the sense that it's available for everyone, but now so much is available for everyone that it's also hard to, to specialize, hard to become an expert in something, even if it's free and even if you love producing, oh, are you making meats? What are you doing with it? Um, yeah, it's... There again, you know, I think it's that whole experience of how are you relating? How are you mm-hmm. interacting in an authentic manner? How are you allowing your vulnerability to shine mm. and then allowing the tools you have at your disposable to bring that forward? Yeah, and... And following authentic desires of exploration and then also knowing authentically, okay, if I want to be an amazing pianist, like I better practice. That's that's authentic for me right now is practicing, even when maybe I don't feel like it. <laughs> that somehow that's actually authentic versus authentic. I don't want to. <laughs> You know, there's something to be said, though, for developing virtuosity. I am a huge Prince fan. I'm going to pull it up here again because it's relevant to a musical conversation. Please, Prince is always welcome. But we watch what he did as a musician. Literally could pick up nearly any instrument and proficiently play it. Literally practiced his bands over and over and over to the point that their virtuosity existed where he could call a key change, he could call out a chord, he could, you know, mention one word, they had all kinds of little keywords. And even though the audience was watching them, he could say a word like applesauce, for instance. I don't know if he ever said applesauce. He had a bunch of other crazy ones, but he would say one of these words in the middle of, of a performance. Crowd would hear it and not relay what was happening, but the band might launch into another song. They might stop. There might have been a a message hidden in that practice that for a number of counts, even the band knew exactly how many counts he was relaying by the word he said. He'd say another word. They jump right back on. There's something to be said for that ability to be that fluid and interactive by your practice, by knowing your craft. Yeah, you can't start playing around or improvising until you actually have the basics down. That's for sure. and. That for me is my driving force when I'm practicing. I practice singing so much because that's the thing I I need to practice. And my drive is always, well, I want to be able to do these cool new licks or these cool new techniques that I can't do right now. So I have to, I have to keep working on it. Sometimes it takes that act, like you mentioned, working with a producer, working with someone else and their outside influence of saying, don't be perfect. Try this. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that imposter voice comes in and says, but I can't do this because I've not done it before. I'm fearful of doing this. I'm afraid I might screw it up. Mm. 
Sometimes that acknowledgement and that mirror of another with that equanimity of saying, I see you and I know you have brilliance within you allows us to step into that light. (laughs) Yeah, I think disciplines like music, like a lot of other other things that we call quote unquote disciplines, there's always that tension between needing to be technically proficient and work really hard and needing to let it all go and just Mm. trust that even if it's not perfect, even if I'm doing the technique slightly differently than I was taught, that it might sound cool. But think about people's voices that are amazing, like even a Bob Dylan, right? Like (laughs) Bob Dylan's voice is something iconic. It is iconic, but it's not technically what, you know, if he just showed up (laughs) to a singing teacher and he wasn't Bob Dylan, you wonder what they would say to him. And it's that balance. Um, I think that applies across so many things. It doesn't, it's not just a music thing. I think that applies to, to almost anything. I think that's the greatest truth we can stumble upon today. Where are we finding our balance in life? Where do we see things with that equal mind? Mm. Are we allowing ourselves to be open and aware and vulnerable to allow the authenticity of ourselves and others to truly shine? Mm -hmm. Where can we go to listen to more of your music and connect with you as a performer and as a songwriter? My website is shimshia.com. That's X-I-M-X-I-A. And there you'll find links to my Instagram. It's just Shimshia Music. Spotify. I'm up there. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Facebook. Any way you can connect with me. My new music videos out on YouTube. So there's... If you Google X-I-M-X-I-A, which is my name, you'll find me. SEO for the win. <laughs> Go out and check out Shimshia. Connect. Be open. Show that equal mind, experience that energy. I want to thank you. This has been such a cool, kind of fluid, creative conversation today. I'm so grateful for that. Thank you so much. You really made me think and brought up a lot of very cool things that I know I'm taking with me. So thank you very much. This is awesome. Thank you. Likewise, you've kind of pushed me to go in a few new directions, ditching from, like you said, that outline of, what we perceived we were going to talk about and allowing some of that true equal mind to come forward. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that today. Thank you. I'd love to do this again. Please come back. Oh, I'd love to do it again. Yeah, you just let me know. This was really fun. This is fascinating. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. Namaste to you, my friend. The light in me acknowledges the light in you. Namaste. It is often said, when you choose to see the good in others, you end up finding the good in yourself. As you shine with more light and authenticity, seeing the light in others becomes easier too. Vulnerability opens us to the journey of discovering self-awareness. When we release attachment and judgment, we evolve towards a more essential state of being. Engaging in the act of equanimity and learning to exercise an equal state of mind allowing us to move into balance and harmony with our perception of ourselves and others. Be the light that helps others see. Lauren and I have shared our thoughts on discovering courage and vulnerability, but we want to hear your insights. Share your thoughts on this subject by tagging us on social media at the Light Inside Podcast. And if you're enjoying our program, be sure to leave us a review at your favorite podcast platform or by visiting podlink The Light Inside. And as always, we're grateful for you, our valued listeners, and thank you for tuning in. 
Joining us next week will be author Ulrika Carlson as we discuss her latest book, Holy <laughs> in the Sacred Water. Next week on The Light Inside. 